Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one book boy, Johnny G. Six foot two, three hundred and something pounds from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island. It's John Gabris. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, abortion is healthcare. Slightly more topical than you as a character. Also joining me in the High and Mighty Studios, my nearly signed co-host Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Big time psych. I am not in the High and Mighty Studios. I am in the Headgum Studios. And joining me in here, live in the studio, first time guest, long time fan of his. He's a stand up comedian. Or a comedian. His name's Joe Quazala. Hi. Hello. <laughs> hey, bud. Hi. Sorry, I'm going to need a cold compress and an inhaler, and I'll yeah, be back in a I few minutes. I understand that. Get you some machinery uh, hooked up to your yeah. all the orifices on your body. Give me the Vader fucking hookup, the back to tank. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back in a little bit. Uh, Joe, thank you for coming on High and Mighty. I'm so happy to do this, and and what appears to be a rare in person uh, thing. Which yeah, is... I've really adjusted to a lazy life of <laughs> just smoking weed. But you asked if we want want to do in person. I have a new car, and I was excited to try driving. So you showed up. it off. I, I, got to I see it. happened to pull up alongside of you on the road, mm-hmm. which was baller. It seemed way cooler than I think anything you were expecting to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost honked, and I was like, "That's brutal." To like, but I was like, "I'm pretty sure that's Joe." You cut a specific silhouette. Yeah, I have a specific haircut in frame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> haircut. as do you. Yeah. yeah, turns out a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're yeah. all individuals. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Uh, but I was just about to say before we started rolling, uh, so I want to say it on Mike. Uh, big fan, obviously. First found you through uh, Colin retweeting a uh, previous guest of the po- podcast, Colin Crawford, retweeting a bunch of your uh, uh, videos that you put out around your mm, birthday. And right. that was a fucking riot. Thank you. But then I also watched your stand up, and the, spe- the obviously one of my favorite bits, and I feel like it's one of your most popular bits is the Catholic priest. Yes. That yeah, shit. Thank you. As a, I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. obviously that shit hit so fucking hard. We, we always used to get in trouble as kids. Cause 
our priest, there was like a moment where he like threw him with him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, yeah. that one. We would, me and my brothers would get in so much trouble because we'd be like, through him, with him, deep inside of him, <laughs> releasing your seed at the beat. Like we would just do all that. And my mom would be like, shut up on the drive home. Right. But hearing like roasting Catholic mass was something that was very specific and it was really nice to hear. It felt like years of that being pent up, <laughs> you know, because uh, you have to be quiet in church. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst, but at, sometimes it's the best because when you get like the church laugh going, it, like maybe nothing is uh, more potent of a, of a laughter experience than like you cannot laugh. You're with like your brother or like your your friend, maybe, and like who's sitting in front of you, and like you have a laugh going, but it can't come out because mother is here. Oh, dude! And God, and <laughs> Jesus is watching you, and so you really can't get it out. But like you start to like convulse, and you're laughing because it's not even usually not even something that's that funny, but it's the circumstance of where you are. Oh yeah, it's just the second of like, well, it's just like you're like. uh Oh no, I'm wearing sweatpants. Don't get an erection. And you're like, fuck, I instantly got one when I thought that. Like, whatever you're trying not to do in the moment, yeah. your body's like, okay, pal. <laughs> Here we go. And I've told this story on the pod before, I think, but you just like on Easter Sunday, my dad worked nights. My mom is the religious one. So uh -huh. my dad was never around for church. My mom took me and my two brothers to Easter Mass, and my youngest brother farted. And it was loud enough that we were like, <laughs> people heard it, and we were like, Right. Trying not to laugh the whole time. Tears pouring down our face. And my mom's like, knock it off. You know, the teeth talk. Knock it off. It makes it worse. Yeah. And then you can't stop. And then we finally calm down. And my middle brother, who's a freak as well, he just goes with his mouth. <laughs> with his mouth. And we fucking explode. A woman comes over, asks my mom, could you please calm the, your kids down? It's Easter. And we can't stop. We just we're broken, and now we're like relishing in the power of other people, kind of stressed about it. Uh -huh, right. That one yeah. Moment, it turned a corner where we're like, all right, we're already in hot water, but it's fun. <laughs> like we're upsetting other people, and now it's getting fun. Yeah. Like, now you control the the fate of the mass. <laughs> yeah, we got the power now. It's like a fucking like when like a dog grabbing your shoe. It's like I, do whatever you want. Yeah, now, bitch. You're I'm you're you're the leader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so we have to leave mass and my mom is, my dad works nights, he gets home at midnight and my mom's like, when your father gets home, he will talk to you about this. And we just laid in bed, three separate bedrooms going, it's 1140, it's 11.44. And then we're like at midnight, we're like, all right. we all pretend like we're sleeping. My dad, not gonna go into the rest of the story because the story goes from funny dark, to dark. dark. <laughs> uh, if you think, <laughs> if you think, wait till your dad gets home to talk to you about this yeah. means just a talk. Mm -hmm. you yeah, it's a nice connecting moment between <laughs> yeah. you and your father. You both learned things about each other and then moved on as uh, developed people. Uh, it was truly our fucking like full metal jacket moment. He like lined us up in the living room oh. and like berated us. Oh. And we were like three boys in our pajamas on <laughs> Easter Sunday getting fucking whacked on the ass one by one. Good Christ! <laughs> Did you guys do? Um, morning mass or did you do we did the Sunday my uh, classic fucking I'm 40 something so I grew up in the 80s and 90s I did mass every Sunday in a karate gi because <laughs> we would go straight, straight from, from straight from taekwondo to the bagel store to mass which is like the most Long Island phrase you've ever heard I love that yeah <laughs> I'd be in like a gi with my New York Giants starter jacket over it <laughs> No, no change of clothes. Not even put on a pair of slacks or. No, it actually never came to us that we should change. That's great. Yeah. I love that because I feel like other families it would have been like, okay, you're gonna have a humiliating like 
30 seconds where you have to get out of your gi and get into your church clothes in the car while people are watching the parking lot. <laughs> yes, exactly. While all the priests are yeah. at the window. Rubbing they know their hands and licking their lips? <laughs> hmm. They must be thinking of something else. Probably the Eucharist. <laughs> ah, the body. Christ, yes. The Christ, yes, the yes, yes. <laughs> Good save. So glad we called it the body so when we mutter the words the body, we could say of Christ and be in the clear. <laughs> Oh, the body of Christ, of Christ, of course. Oh, we, yes. we had a a priest from Africa that was doing mass for a couple of years, and he pronounced Jesus kind of like this, Jesus. And we <laughs> could not get over it as kids. We would be like, at home, be like, Mom, can you pass the Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> My mom's still crazy religious, and I, she just, no one, it stuck really? with no one. And my mom is crazy religious in like the boomer way like she never misses mass mm-hmm. but she doesn't like live a christian life where she yes. like helps other people or anyway <laughs> or anything takes like. sits there for an hour every week takes nothing <laughs> yep. out of what you're supposed to and then goes home and lives a hedonist lifestyle <laughs> and then says things like says things like well say a little prayer and you know like about so and so so and so's cousin got diabetes say a little prayer and i'd be like mom i've I'm truly anti-Catholic. I'm not even right. Like, yeah, not, it's not even like I'm a, a passive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Right. I had I had a different experience, which was uh, I then learned retroactively that my parents are agnostic, and like they were going through the motions because they felt like they had to. Like they still had the Catholic guilt of like we have to take our kids to mass. And there's like the my mom definitely like she grew up with. Nuns as teachers, like that kind of thing. Like, you'll never be able to, like, fully take it from her. But they don't go to church anymore. Interesting. Which, like, when I found that out, I was pissed. I was like, we didn't have to? I thought this whole time. They were like, well, we needed you to be raised with something. Which I think in the 90s is probably true. Yeah, and also, I do think a part of me having to do something besides school for one hour a week that I hated... Mm-hmm. was like one of those like learning things like I, I everyone's like just wants to give their kid everything they love right but i think having to sit for an hour with something that's absolutely stupid and boring <laughs> is like kind of uh, i would sit there and brainstorm yes. the wildest things like i like this is fucked up now that i'm gonna say this but i would like imagine if i was a superhero or like a like a navy seal guy how i would like destroy the entire i'd be like the you church? never said charges here and here yeah <laughs> like crazy here's i would demolish this place no bodies left standing in the church how i'd kill everyone here uh what are you writing in your notebook uh nothing mm, jesus the body jesus uh yeah it, i think i think you're right I think we needed it back then. And yeah, and there's I remember making fun of a kid on the playground cuz he said he didn't believe in God. Which is like fucked up. And like obviously later it's like, oh yeah, no, he was right. The kid was right. That was <laughs> But like when you're like I guess my parents just didn't want me to be that kid where it's like what are you uh what church do you go to? And it's like none, and right. then you get uh, pushed over. <laughs> All these church-going kids learning good lessons of uh, berating and <laughs> punishing the the non-believer. Not a not a big Jewish population in Pittsburgh. There is, um, not exactly. There, there like were in your neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, not like there there were, but like there are very like my brother lives in a place called Squirrel Hill, which is like a very Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh. Um, but like it was to me growing up like. Outside of the kid who didn't believe in God, 
and I don't know if it was maybe the 90s, like, you know, Tommy Pickles is Jewish. Like, it didn't occur to me that it was, like, anything uh, worth noting. Right. Well, yeah, it was kind of just, like, oh, church or not? Like, yeah, you like, know, you like, go to a Jewish church. Like, what right, was, and what it's, I like, no, say. yeah, it's, like, no different. You just have to do an hour on the weekend that's different. Like, no different than, like, okay, whatever Methodist is with this church or whatever. Right, right. Lutheran, I don't know. Like, all these things are your own thing. We have... Uh, yeah, we're we're Catholic, and it didn't. What you know? It wasn't until I went to Notre Dame where I was like, "Oh, people have very strong opinions." I'm not that Catholic. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was 100 percent what I what I learned quickly. Going Holy to that shit, school. Notre Dame! Yeah, I've never met anyone that went there, but I've met thousands of people who are huge fans of it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't. It's a weird weird college like that. It is well because my brother in law is a diehard Notre Dame fan drives there once a year and he went to school in Pennsylvania no connection yeah. no connection to the school Very, but like when I when I chose to go there I was kind of thinking like people love this place so will I <laughs> I didn't realize like you kind of weirdly have to be like born into loving it and you are like uh, indoctrinated into loving it and then you go and you're like I love it but that was not my experience. I was like, I'll go and, and love it like everybody else. And I was like, oh, no. What, yeah, I went to a, what, ca- I went to a Catholic college, weirdly enough, yeah. too. I went to a Franciscan brother's school in uh, the Hudson Valley in New York called Marist. And it was like yeah. one of those things where I was like, I went there being like, oh, it's a Catholic school. That's going to be weird. And then I went there and it was like, nope, this is, no one here is for here for the Catholic part of it. I mean, there's like probably a dozen students who are here for that. Everyone else is just from the tri-state area and their uh-huh. parents sent them to a Catholic high school. I had the opposite. Going in and being like, I'm Catholic, the other students will be like me, a person who kind of thinks it's bullshit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, was raised being like, this is all very funny. Uh, and then they will be like me and like will be similar. But it was, uh, p- people went there because they were extremely Catholic. A lot of prayer on campus. Not cool. <laughs> I know. Hate that. I mean, like God, God. Bless. I was on campus on nine eleven, and no one prayed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like a lot of lighting candles at the grotto oh, is weird. is Notre Dame, and like I don't. I mean, I'm not a lot here. of butt fucking. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I that, will say the most Catholic thing that I happened in college is anal sex. I had a sex with a girl. My I lost. I, I my my first time having sex with this girl. She said she hadn't had any sex but butt sex. Right. And I was your like, butt can't be a virgin. Right. Because yeah. it's like this weird virginity loophole. And I was like, that's crazy to me. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that that was always like, what do you believe? Yeah, could you imagine God's like, and of course, if you take it in the can, it's cool by me. <laughs> Premarital butt stuff, let her rip. Yeah, dog. go off, King. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 2525. <laughs> Let yeah. her rip, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fi- fire away. Get it. Get nasty with it. Uh, John four twenty. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Um, uh, but was Notre Dame like moving to a town? In college, like it just—I don't know yeah. many people that went to huge fucking schools like that. Yeah, Is no, it just it, like I mean, it, it was—it was a very strange experience. I mean, like it's all. A lot of colleges are like this. It's all on campus, right? Yeah. So, you know, it was South Bend, Indiana, but, like, nobody was really hitting the town. Yeah, no no one was like, we got to see in the Indiana scene. It was like. Yeah. Um, yeah, even in, like, in my school, it was a small property, but, like, there were seven bars that were pretty much exclusively uh, kept alive by the college students. kids. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, yeah, so it, it – it, and also, like, I came from a public school, and, like, that – 
there were other kids like that, but it just felt like a prep school. It felt like private school yeah. kids. And Jesus truly was everywhere. Like literally, I think every classroom has a, has a crucifix somewhere, big or large, big or small. And then the famous, like on the library is the, is the touchdown Jesus, Yeah, <laughs> which is, a, a, you know, there's a lot to unpack there with like our, our place of where the books are. <laughs> we have Jesus throwing up his hands like, huh? who are you going to believe, me or the books? Uh, I got one book for you, pal. <laughs> and like the for, the former president of the college, I might be getting some details wrong, but I feel like this was the truth. The former president, who was like this, like the most famous, I don't know, president of Notre Dame, like lived at, at the top of the library, or at least he spent a lot of time up there. He had like his office at the very top. And uh, like that's some Voldemort level shit. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> sitting atop the university, like he's not really in charge anymore, but he's rub- rubbing his hands. Uh, it's like uh, he's in the shadows. The dude in Braveheart is like faces all fucked up in uh-huh. the tower, pulling strings from behind. It, yeah, the the <laughs> Robert com- the Bruce. The comparisons are uh, bone chilling. But yeah, no, it was. But you know, at the same rate, it was like I could find my tribe kind of easily because you just kind of look around at like. Who's not uh, into it? Yeah, you know, like who who's who's not at the games, not at the football games, because like it's a ghost town oh, on campus. And so yeah, it's can... like oh shit, improv practices at the same time as the football <laughs> game. <laughs> These are my peers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, because big school like that casts a wide enough net, it's bound to scoop some fucking uh, you know misfit freaks that 100%. you might be able to get along with. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I found an improv group at my school made up of like a bunch of weirdos who are like, have you, Oh, you've never listened to the roots or De La Soul, you know? And uh-huh. I was like completely like, that was my eye opening thing was just meeting 21 year olds with taste. And it was just like really, and who were like funny and thought kids in the hall was cool. Right. Like that was like eye opening to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, the improv group at Notre Dame was uh, not cool, but <laughs> I mean, we weren't cool. <laughs> si- si- similarly though, one of my best friends I met because we both went to the improv group to check it out, and we both locked eyes like, what is this bullshit? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Still one of my best friends to this day. Do you know Anthony Geo? Yeah. It's him. Yeah. Uh, uh, renowned improviser. Yes. No, <laughs> like, which is got, funny because he came he back right to back improv it. <laughs> and was very good at it, but at the time we were like, I didn't know him, he didn't know me, and we just like- raised an eyebrow like what are these nerds up to here and then yeah we went off and uh it's a powerful feeling when you've always felt and i'm not i hope i'm not projecting too much onto you but like when you've always felt a little dorky and nerdy and then you meet like a full tier below you that you're like oh i'm an alpha (laughs) okay acapella thank you for making me feel heroic right and and strong and virile and yeah (laughs) um but when we were talking about a topic you mentioned hosting yeah which is something i do a shit ton of so this was mm-hmm. like very thrilling for me because even the way you phrased it is like yes i we i've we've hosted game shows uh live shows this travel shows whatever podcasts but also i enjoy hosting people at yeah. my place yeah me too and that's something i got from my wife over like we've been together for 20 years she was always like that my family was always like we're gonna order a six foot hero. People should come over. We'll fill the cooler with beers. Mm-hmm. My wife comes from a family where it's like, I've been cooking for forty eight hours and leading up to having six people over. You yes. know what I mean? Like, right. So to me, and I've learned that over. And yeah, I have an Italian mother. Yeah, so exactly. Just, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So 
hosting has become something that's really fun. And like, as a team with my wife, like I'm, I, she, she calls it camp counselor energy. I like to like do what I do well in hosting is not necessarily setting the table or cooking, but it's like, I think this would be a fun drink pairing, you know, like mm, I do like mm. goofy. So it was curious when you said that, what made you want to talk about hosting? Well, I, it just feels like, uh, well, the, well, there is the thing you just said. I love, I love hosting a party and I, I'm lucky to have a, a place that is good for, good for a party, both in that it happens to have like a big yard. Hell yeah. But then there's also like, the kitchen is is big enough. People at a People party always hang out in the love kitchen. Love to go to the kitchen, and I've got I, the setup. And I don't and I don't live in like a big house, but like just the, the our kitchen happens to be large enough that uh, it's really conducive. It feels cozy if people are in there hanging out, but it's not like cramped, so it's impossible. Right. It, it can have the importance to like a hosting kitchen is. Big enough that I can have a handful of people in there and someone can come in and get something out of the fridge yes. and not There's make an anyone easy else move. Pathway yeah. to the resources. That's a party kitchen if you can be like six people hanging out in there and be like, oh, what do you need? Mm -hmm. I got you. Mm -hmm. Like that that kitchen energy. And there's something as a kid, when you would when parties would be hosted at your house, it would be like maybe the women would be in the kitchen, but then at some point as the part like it would go on, it would be like what are these, why are there five grownups in the kitchen this whole time? And they're the loudest people here. Right, yeah. And then you go in there and your uncle's got like a bottle of Jaeger in the freezer or whatever. And you're like, oh. Uh, they, derive, they derive power from the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. They get volume <laughs> and energy from the kitchen. But my relationship uh, with my girlfriend is that she loves to, I don't know if she loves, but she definitely gets into setting up. She likes to set up the party and hang like string lights around the house, yeah. get everything ready. And then we like tag team, I take over. She gets high, sits at a table with her friends while I am bopping around. Checking on everybody, yes. making sure it's going well. Once, uh, yeah, I take over when the party happens. And I, I, I love being able to like do -si do around the house in the yard and just like jump into a conversation, make sure everybody's happy, make sure I've seen everybody maybe connect people if uh, they don't know each other, but they're both from like Boston or whatever. Be like, yeah. you guys should talk. And then just, I, I like, I like doing that being mobile, making sure people have the snacks they need, making sure the weird YouTube I put on the TV is playing. Yeah. It's oh shit. We've been on an ad rotation. Skip <laughs> yeah, ads. Skip yeah, ad. right. yeah. 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 Make sure the music is, is loud enough. And yeah, my, my girlfriend Haley is just, you know, High as a kite uh, at a table. Her responsibilities are, are yeah. She's done. like, I did all the work you wanted me to do, right? Maybe I'll help you throw some cans and recycling at the end of the night. But for now, I'm posted up at this table mm -hmm. talking mm -hmm. about. I I am both of those people at parties, <laughs> which is pretty rad. Yeah, uh, funny. I will say, like hosting a party lets you get that little bit of social anxiety. I I used to get about being like stuck talking to someone at like an event. Like I'd be like, mm. not even if I'm not enjoying it, but I'm just like, shit, I've been with like this one person for like 40 minutes. Am I eating their time? Do they hate this? Do, should I be talking to more people? I have other friends here. I have more stuff I want. Right. So that shit like e escalates in my, and you it like makes me uncomfortable. But when you're hosting, you always have an out. Always have an out. But And then you get like, not only do you always have an out, you like arguably also always have an in. Like this if you walk if you walk past like three people talking, they'll be like, Joe, <laughs> dude, great. Yeah, it's so fun, man. I was just talking. We're just, you know, mm -hmm. like, and it lets you just kind of, and if you're a comic, 
if you're like to make people laugh, you get like full blown like shark energy. Like you like <laughs> yes. walk over to one school of people, bah, kill, yeah. la, 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 la. bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we love you. And I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm actually gonna reuse two of those bits in yeah. six other conversations. I'm workshopping this with throngs of people throughout the party. I'm saving it for uh, Adam McKay is standing <laughs> over there. I'm gonna go to him last with my when my bits all squared away. But it's also like you got to invite everybody. It's like a party where, like, you chose who is around there for the most part. Like, there's always people who come by, but, like, yeah. the bulk of it is, like, oh, yeah, I the people that I don't want to run into, They're I didn't not invite here. them. They're yeah, not here. Exactly, exactly. And so that's, like, the other benefit of hosting is, like, oh, yeah, I could go to this party. I'm like, I'm going to go run into this fucker. It's, like, not on my party, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's – and I, I something else I pride myself on, I usually throw a sort of, like, cartoonishly large birthday event of some sort mm -hmm. and invite – my friends are very disparate whilst, of course, I have a shit ton of comedy friends. Mm -hmm. I've just been so gregarious for so long that people in my orbit are like from a lot of different and been with the same woman forever. So her friends are my friends. So it'll be like at a birthday party of mine, it'll be like five famous comedians, five no unknown comedians. Five gay male marketing executives, five, you know, like five women uh -huh. from the flor floral industry, <laughs> five rugby players that have since moved to Los Angeles that I used to know from New York, five white trash kids from Long Island that I'm still tight with. It would be like just the the vibes are off. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, okay, and, and you know, like. My brother was living out here for a little while. He's like eight, <laughs> nine years younger than me, so he was coming to a few parties uh, over the last couple of months, and it would be like. Him and his girlfriend are nurses. <laughs> and I'd be like, They're, you're the only job here that I can describe to everyone at this party. Everyone else understand, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, she works at a creative agency as a photographer or in the photography department or something. And I'm like, my brother is a nurse. And it's like, right. oh, meet oh, each other. Cool. Hi, later. Great. Yeah. <laughs> she heard the website for her company says they develop solutions. Uh, <laughs> I'm not positive what it's for. Okay. <laughs> but she seems to make insane money and she's expensed two dinners that I've been out with her too. So I'm getting, she's Gucci. She's in the, she's in the wheelhouse forever. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. It, it's almost like throwing your own, uh, your own like mini wedding. Yes. Well, I was thinking about it too. It's sort of like, and if you're a fucking lightly narcissistic or a comedian, it's like throwing a show in a way where mm -hmm. you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, we should have, this should be the section where this happens. You know, like you build out, you're like, wait, let's not bust out the watermelon margarita mixture until this time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're building it out like it's yeah. a performance where you're mm -hmm. like, it's going to maybe hit a lull. People aren't really going to, it's not going to be fully going until this time. So this is when the cake should come out. This right. is when... We should offer the jello shots or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. You mentioned uh, like a six foot party sub. Uh, I've done the, the Big Papa before. Is that the? It's the gigantic pizza from Big Mamas that, and Big Papas. The one that comes like on the roof of the yeah. delivery car. Oh, hell yeah, yeah. 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 We've done that before as like the centerpiece of, of the party. Like at one point, Papa's showing up. That's and what was great is I kind of forgot about it because I was like, oh, that's funny. We're going to get this big pizza. It's going to be crazy. We ate it within five minutes there were like enough people and it's like oh yeah that's what this is for it's not just a sight gag <laughs> right. they get fed a lot of people very quickly we've all been there rummaging through pipes dodging man-eating venus flytraps grabbing coins fighting hammer slinging turtles wearing cute little overalls and a tiny little hat stumbling upon polka dotted mushrooms eating them, turning into giants, and going on full-blown rampages. Schedule 35 is kind of like the Super Mario Mushroom, but for your mind. 
We send you precisely measured microdoses of psilocybin that you can take to enhance your daily, your day, your daily day, your day and your daily vibes without seeing. Well, man-eating Venus flytraps, thank God. <laughs> um, maybe it's, I mean, it is a mushroom, so the parallel works good, but it is also kind of like the star in that it gives you what you need to, like, get through your day safely. So get 15% off with your code MIGHTY, my code, it's your code if you use it, at schedule35.co, that's S-C-H-E-D-U-L-E-3-5.co. That's 15% off at schedule35.co and use promo code MIGHTY. Being a good host also, I think, makes you a good guest. Mm -hmm. Like you, you know what you gotta what you gotta bring and what you gotta how you have to operate. Right. Yeah. You know not to like wear them down in any way. Like you know not to be like high maintenance in any way. Of like, actually, do you think I could just use your bathroom for forty five minutes? I can just like shower and <laughs> shave real quick or whatever. Like you know that that's frustrating. And recently, my thing when I go to parties has been to bring uh, like two. Uh, cases of liquid death water in cans. All right, and pour them into the cooler, and you know, I, I and I bring a bunch of grass as well, and I'll smoke weed and drink waters for a little while because as I'm trying to limit my alcohol intake, then I, I'll go to like like an hour and a half in, all the liquid deaths are gone, and I'm like, right, parties for forty something year olds in L. A. You got to know your crowd. People drink water, like, and and people are like, oh, cool, canned water. I like, can hold a can. Yeah, so much of drinking. <laughs> is holding the fucking thing in your hand. Dude, this is what changed the game for me was the canned water because when I I go camping, as I mentioned numerous times today since I ran into you <laughs> 40 minutes ago, I uh, like standing, holding a can of anything around the campfire works. And it's uh -huh. like, if you're fucking got a shit in the woods in the morning, maybe you don't need 12 IPAs before <laughs> bed. Like, <laughs> there's no need to like yeah. leave a clay mound outside of your fucking tent. Or yeah, the, the liquid deaths and the and the seltzers are, they're, they're hits. They're powerful. People love, yeah, and I guess for listeners who aren't in their 40s in a place that has a word, a phrase called Cali sober, like <laughs> <laughs> it might be a little different. You might be frowned upon if you bring, actually, you know what? People always like water, even at least at the end of the night. Like, yeah, no, I mean, but especially when you're a lot of people drove, it's like, yeah, right? it's like maybe switch to two water. Yeah. That's always the best too. And, uh, maybe I'm, I hope please, uh, statute of limitations, but so many of my friends are like, yeah, I got to drive home a little bit. I'll just grab water. It's like, you've had 14 <laughs> beers and now you're going to have one water, water and then drive math. You're, let's, you're going to piss yourself. Let's think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've also, I've also got a fire pit. Which is like come on one of the one of the great excuses to have a party. Like we're gonna have a bonfire. Come on, come on over, dude. Fire. <laughs> well, whilst dangerous, also, <laughs> I just got to remember to tell you that it also the lighting it emits, like the kind of moving uh, lighting, like and the orange ember glow of a fire. It really is. I'm gonna say ambiance, but. Now that, center, I'm, yeah. now that it's 2023, I should use the word vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. Yeah. Um, it's really truly. rich, like an open flame. Like we do a bunch of candles in our little tiny ass apartment, but like a big open, a fire pit in the summer, 
with your shirt off and a beer in your hand is like a fucking dream. It really, it's <laughs> magical. And it's another thing, like, the reason my girlfriend gets high is, like, she can get a little anxious that she doesn't know what to be doing at the party. But when there's a fire, she likes becoming the fire girl. Oh, and if just you like, can get a job. Right. While, like, that will, like, when you're at, when I'm at my, like, in-laws, I'm like, I'll refill the ice with the cooler every time it gets low. And, and mm-hmm. they're like... Thank you, John. Like, you know, you can become like yes, you find a niche. It's a thing that of works. like uh, being a host, being a good guest. Yeah. Right. Like I've I've uh, replaced the trash bags at a party once and the host was like, dude, thank you. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, just like the easiest thing in the world. But like yeah. you just know, like this is full. The rest of the party is going to be playing Tetris, trying to like put their can in like some negative space that's not really there. And it's going to create like this pile. And like we all know to just what to do. But I think there's there's also maybe a sense of like, oh, but I don't. It's That might be overstepping. It's like like every like they will they will kiss your feet if you take the trash out for them, (laughs) especially if you know where the garbage bags are, which is like, you know, you don't have to. That's King. Yeah, I'm I'm, because I was a bartender for so long uh, and an alcoholic at bars for so long. (laughs) I have like such a thing of like. All right, I'm heading in the direction of the garb- of recycling bin or whatever. I'll be like, check like seven cans. And if grab they're empty, them, yeah. I'll grab them, squeeze them, crush them, j- throw them in there. And then take the bag and throw it in my car and get five cents for each can. <laughs> <laughs> and collect. And then I collect. And then I'm earning. You put that in a certificate of deposit, 5% over 18 months. This is hustle mindset. <laughs> this is grind culture. This is this is why we do it. I go to parties, and, and while you're sitting there spending money, fucking hanging out with your friends, talking bullshit, I'm grinding. I'm, ca- I'm counting nickels around the bar saying... Dime, quarter. <laughs> Do we have enough beers for the guests? I don't know, but we certainly have enough cans for me to start an investment. Let's go. <laughs> I put it all into Ethereum, and then I just watch it, it grow just and grow to the moon. Skyrocket, skyrocket. Promo code Mighty. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> now, were you always into hosting? Was that something like? Because there is early on in life, it's. Early on in like your partying years, it definitely feels better to go to someone else's party because mm-hmm. it just feels like maybe yeah. you still live at your parents or maybe you're in like a like a rental early in your life or you're like in a five people live in one house situation. Right, we right, don't right. necessarily no one agrees on when we should have parties or whatever like that. It, have you always been into it? Did you? Yeah, pretty much as soon as I, I remember throwing a party in my, in like my dorm room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just cause I, I, there's like practical things beyond the things we just, we already said, which is like, you curate the guest list. Like that is great. Like I like hanging out with my friends, like bring them all here. <laughs> like it, right. that's, that's uh, at its basic level. But also like, uh, I can get the bar experience and then change all the things I don't like about that. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be as crowded. You pick the music. Like, yeah, the, the, volume. Like the volume, the the lighting, and then just like oh, instead of me wasting you know fifty to a hundred dollars on on drinks for me and my friends, I could do that and then s- supply the entire party for the entire night for, yeah, for everybody. Yeah, fifty to hundred dollars, we can all drink for the whole. Night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so that especially in like my my cheaper days, it was like, no, I don't want to go. I hated spending. It just especially moving to Chicago and then going from Chicago to LA. It was just like, Oh yeah. PBR $7. Like, what yeah. do you, I can, I can get. And a case of it is 
13? 20? Yeah, right? <laughs> and so it just felt very practical of like, I am not, I don't have a lot of money, but we can have a way better party and like get drunk on the same amount of money that I would spend like on myself or two people. Yeah. And also, especially once you're uh, like in a relationship or not trying to hook up, mm-hmm. like uh the bars lose like one full tier of interest. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. like, you're like, oh, now that I'm uh, not single, dancing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, now I can just make out with my girlfriend. I don't have to like dance to five songs with her yeah. before I can kiss her. See if like, I can catch a vibe. <laughs> so, like, that was, that's how I got into parties early on in college would be like, be like, oh, I don't want to go to the bar. My g- girlfriend, who's then, who's now my wife, weirdly enough, uh, was like, oh, she's working tonight. I'm like, I don't want to go to the fucking bar. She'll come over here at midnight. Oh, well, what if we have a party? And then we would like throw a party. And we were, we were the sun. We were, we lived on Sunset, and so everyone called us the the Sunset Boys. I'd be like, the Sunset Boys are having a party, and like that phrase gave me enough juice to like want to throw parties. You, all you have the a time. brand, <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, we were this. Oh, the Sunset guys are throwing a bash. It's like, yeah, we. Slip and slide one time. Another time we painted all our walls chalkboard and told everyone come in and go ham. We had huge beer pong tournaments with like elaborate rules. Mm-hmm. And something I'm connecting now kind of on the fly is like talking about like, oh, like hosting a party can be like planning a show. I guess what I really mean is if you have any like self-producing experience, mm-hmm. like as someone who makes their own sketches or right, like right. Uh, does live comedy and and does pre- – once you have that energy, like if you've ever planned a party with someone who works as an actual like line producer or TV producer, it's fucking awesome. I, I, <laughs> they I, are like Excel spreadsheet of like, no, we only need 16 cases if we're having 40 guests. But in case we have 48 guests, we can have, and you're like, what the fuck? And it's like, another yeah, level. I'm just running numbers all day, every day. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> but mean... I get that. You get that energy a little bit of like, oh yeah, like uh, I know what would be fun and like, the the com- comedy guy in me feel gets fucking juice off of like I did this dumb thing that people are enjoying. Yes, like, th- yes, yes. It, it's it's on it's this almost same thing of like doing stand up or doing right. live comedy. It's like I said a thing and it it brought joy to people and I am high off of that. And there's there's parallels to to the to the party experience. And also I liked. Um, having feeling like Chicago, the Chicago comedy scene was like pretty tight knit. And when I moved to LA, I felt those moments the most at house parties. Right. And it was, and you know, when I first moved here, there were some guys who would throw house parties, like big ones that felt like everybody went to. And like, I had moments with people who became my best friends just, just because of that energy that like we we were like craving and it's also just like you get to fuck around and kind of see these people who you are only seeing at shows and you have you kind of have to be quiet or you have to like go outside or right, whatever right. but like this is the thing like come and goof off with all these funny people yeah oh it's a fucking dream how house parties have like a different vibe than a bar even if you know everyone in the bar even if you mm-hmm. invited every single person into the bar being at a house party just has a vibe where you're like, am 
I going to sit on the couch for like an hour and get blasted? Like you can't do that at most bars. And no. it's like that moment where you sit at the table with your girlfriend high as fuck and mm-hmm. just like fucking look at something on your phone together for like a half an hour. Like the opportunities for those kind of weird house things. And then you like go outside and it's like, oh, are, these guys are throwing hammers. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, there's always Shit, like- I'll this, grab one. Yeah. Fuck, How far are we, we doing, doing hammers? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a very distinct memory of- College comedy festival at Skidmore College. Mm -hmm. There was a house party. And in college, you're pretty good at house parties. You're a comedy guy who's at like a a, a party school. You you have fun. You go to a party at a house party made up of exclusively comedian kids from all over. Yeah. From all different schools. Very levels of nerdy. I... You find you like find some freaks that you like connect yes, with, and yes. I, I'm gonna say a positive connection I had and a negative connection <laughs> I had. Positive connection: I met my friend Brandon Gardner because he was the only other guy like over six feet tall at this party, <laughs> like, and he was like super buff, and we were yeah. like, someone was What's up, bu- brother, <laughs> yeah, someone was like bullying this like dorky kid that we thought was really funny, and him and I both were like a non-comedy guy at this party. We were like. Hey pal, fucking knock, leave Mini Rivers Cuomo alone. And yeah. we like put our nice. like that was the nickname we had for this little glasses kid. We put our hands on, we like looked at each other, we're like, what's up, man? I'm Gabriel. She's like, I'm Gardner. It's like, you go by your last name too? You're a giant freak. Yeah, you do comedy. Well, you're actually weirdly surprisingly smart. Me too. Oh, yeah. Do the forearm. Yeah. Bump. We do like the fucking <laughs> Can't Seiko uh, <laughs> McGuire. Bash brothers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then later on at that party, I'm fucking blasted. I'm having the time of my life. I go downstairs to the basement, and in the basement is just one dude standing next to a huge armoire full of, like, glass containers and vases, taking them down and just whipping them across the basement into another wall where there's a pile of glass. Oh, no. And I'm like, yo, what's I have going a lot on? Of, I have a few problems with that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. I go down there and go, yo, what's going on down here? He's like, I'm making a glass garden. I'm not going to do an impression. But the, to bury the lead, yeah. I was like, oh, this guy's pretty fucking weird. And then in like a couple of minutes, it was like a little overwhelming. But he was also like really funny. And I was like, man, this energy. That dude, DJ Miller. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. another giant freak who's like kind of an uh, – and then I was like, oh, you're like an intense weirdo like me. Oh, no, 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 not like me. Which 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 part is going to make you famous, the funny thing or the destructive thing? <laughs> certainly it wouldn't be both. It certainly would be <laughs> grabbing onto two different speedboats on your jet skis and seeing which one rips the other arm off first. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that that's that Skidmore like uh, festival. I never I never went, but I would subsequently subsequently hear a lot of people from different areas of the country talk about it. Yeah, in, in mean, my comedy journey, I I mean I remember being like coming home and t- being like the one kid in the comedy group who couldn't go on the festival that weekend. I was like. Dude, there was this black kid from NYU who was like one of the funniest human beings I've ever seen. That guy is childish Gambino. Yeah, I was just going to say, Atlanta. it's got to be Glover. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was just like, this young dude, and it's like he was one of the few black guys at the comedy yeah. festival. I was like, yeah. he's absolutely killer. And then I was like, oh, shit. It's Insane. The most, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll move to New York. I'll reach out to the guy. Oh, he's already <laughs> on 30 Rock. Okay. Interesting, okay. interesting, interesting. Okay, well, maybe. Uh, but like the, you can you can forge a relationship at a, at a house party that you can't anywhere else else and like i tend to be maybe a little bit in my head when i'm at a show like if i'm at uh 
I mean, that's how that's before like, after you perform. Yeah. It's hard not to have like and like you're meeting. That's how you're meeting other comedians in in the scene, especially if if you're new or even if you've been around. It's just like you can't. I can't always, from my personal experience, present the version of myself I want to when I am out at a comedy show. Right. Sometimes I can, but sometimes it's just hard, or it's hard to like approach somebody who like you've you've seen people like even like you and me like we've seen each other out right. we've never really had a conversation but we know each other but if you were at my house at a house party we would talk and then have a great time right exactly and vice versa i'd be like yeah i was t- talking to joe for like fucking 45 minutes the guy's fucking notre dame dude <laughs> <laughs> and so how ha- and so like having a house party also like i didn't do it intentionally but it started to have that effect of like oh these people that i want to get to know who i think are funny and cool but i'm like a, a little bit shy or don't know how to approach them and just be like we've seen each other we well, know each other like, at a show is like work mm-hmm. and a li- in a way you're not making any money and it's taking up in, in order <laughs> amount of time but it is like one of those things where you're like well is he like rushing to get out of here is he like in his head about his set yeah am you I don't got, know yeah am i doing like i'm like i'm pretty sure uh that per- i know who this person is but like uh, maybe i'll wait till after they go up and then they go up and they're rushing out to it so it like never really works out the way you want but when it's like plant like also some people are like Sorry, man. I'm just like running my set in my head, or like, yeah, uh, oh, frantic looking. Where's the cowboy hat in the aquarium? You know, like, whatever. and even if they're nice about that, you're like, okay, I will never talk to this person ever again in my life. Yeah, I will not bother you ever again. <laughs> do not worry. I, I will. I'll email you about my house party, but you can say no. Please do. I, yeah. But go, when someone shows up to your house, they're also hosting a party. There is like in the element of like at some point, if I go to a party at your house, I have to make sure. I say hi to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just be like, oh, I was in the corner talking to the two guys I knew and then bounced. Like, right. Which does happen. But for the, for the most part, yeah. You can, someone you don't even know can show up to your house party and you can hug them. Yeah. You're allowed to. <laughs> and that's why I do it. <laughs> I learned that from when I was an intern at Miramax. <laughs> you have to hug them. You have to put your hands on them. No, but it's, it's you know, you're Come I mean. and hug me. You're like in the living room with your Come shirt Come to off. daddy. <laughs> like suddenly have like a Star Wars voice. Like, Come to daddy. Honey, <laughs> you need a hug, brother. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's just like, it's an immediate icebreaker of like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh my God. Gabrus, you're here. It's so good to see you. Yeah. Well, it's funny because. Hosting when you're in Hollywood has like these two definitions, right? Or has multiple definitions, but one of them is hosting a show, hosting mm-hmm. a live. Maybe you're hosting hosting stand up means you're in between other acts, you're keeping it moving, and you do some time. Hosting a uh, food show is like you're tasting food and talking to the camera. But the thing that all of these have in common is that you're yourself. Mm-hmm. So like even when you're doing stand up, you're not full. I mean, you're not fully yourself necessarily. But when you're, I'm not a good actor. I'm in this business to be an actor, but I'm not good at it. But I'm very good at being myself. I'm very comfortable right. as myself. Right. So I get a lot of work hosting. But then that's also why I like house parties. Because it's like, what better place to be yourself than in your own fucking house? Mm-hmm. Like you're totally, like that's when you feel at most home. You're like, dude, I actually, hold on. I have something that pertains to this conversation. And since we're at my house, I can go get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're hosting the best show of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's like killer. Yeah. And you're all the you're all the acts as well. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect crime. Next up, me. But but ho- you I mean, know if you love him, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> this next comedian, uh, God, he's hosting the show. He's hosting uh what's that? He's hosting the conversation because you're listening to me right now. It's me. Hi. <laughs> it's me. Love this guy. 
killer, super funny. He's going to hate that I said that, but come on out, me. <laughs> One of my best friends who just might wouldn't try to tell you. <laughs> we have the exact same penis. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> yeah, but host, hosting, like, yeah, because I have hosted a lot of stand-up, uh, and it's a thankless job. Yes. And it sucks. And it is also, it tends to be, especially in like a club setting, it's given to the least experienced uh, comedian. They're paid the least. And they have to be there the whole time. They have, they can't bounce. <laughs> Sometimes they have to go on after the headliner, which I like, if I'm ever in that position, I'm sometimes like, you can wrap it up and I think people will be happier. Yeah, I don't think people are like, I need eight more minutes of lukewarm stand-up. Or if it's just like, they need me to go up just to be like, wow, what a show, okay, goodbye. Sometimes the club needs you to say things about how they should exit. Right, wow, goodbye, make sure you buy t-shirts over here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like, thank you for coming, uh, we have this person next week or whatever, depending on the club. Yeah, yeah. But it just, man, it sucks. And also there's a lot of comedians who... Can't do it and shouldn't do it uh, based on their persona or whatever. You're just like, I don't want to see this person whose whole thing is they don't want to be here. I don't want to see them host a show. Yeah, I don't want to see them try to make it work in their persona or have to like change their persona. Like, like <laughs> I'm just picturing for some reason, even though she's not a stand up like Aubrey Plaza being like, mm -hmm. keep it going. For exactly. Yeah. Tony Hinchcliffe. Let's go. <laughs> Who's up next? <laughs> but yeah, it's either like, she stays true to herself and the show is bad because you, she's not host energy can't be that. She's kind not of. properly hosting it or she compromises her ideals and <laughs> right. and her truth to host a good show and you hate it because you're like, I don't this isn't whatever you're doing isn't working. It seems false. Yeah, right, right. And I'm in the camp of uh, I can host a show and stay true to myself. And it kind of it kind of sucks because you don't want to do it <laughs> right well because it, it's just like oh it's like what's the an example like it's like being an editor or a drummer if you're good at it you're like well i want to be the guitarist it's like we need a drummer yeah we, like... need, we need a good one so we can stay on time <laughs> right. and this won't fall apart yeah I, I i think i i've hosted a few stand-up shows and i feel more comfortable hosting than i do doing time okay uh i've actually thought about hosting a monthly stand-up show oh, shit. Where, where okay. I just host and just riff and do that because I enjoy that. And if it's my show, then I'm not at least the lowest paid guy. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I sure, could, yeah. I could be like, everyone gets paid this and I get, I, like, I'm <laughs> I get earning. The, the secret yeah. amount. <laughs> right, yeah, I get this unheard of amount. Uh, People, stand-ups would love that. Right. Because they don't want to... Uh, and usually for like an independent, like local, like alternative show, the producers of the show do... Oh, have to host it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, occasionally, one of those shows will ask someone to do their show, and then they'll be like, could you also host it? And that, I'll just say for the record, is the worst thing to do. If you are putting a show on, you have to be the host. To put that yeah. on someone else is... Or you have to have, like, the host locked in of, like, yeah, we produce it, but our friend who can host Who, who yeah. wants to host, yeah. yeah. You can't just be, like, someone begging for stage time or desperate for it just because it just gets harder and harder. It's like, yeah, you can do our show. Also, maybe you could host, and you're like, well, I already asked to do the show. Right. This and now is where you like, get an email two days before and be like, uh, you're going to kill me, but something just came up. <laughs> I cannot do your show because I've been dreading it this whole time, hosting and... Because th that sucks. If it's not... Uh, hosting someone else's show is like 
that's rough. So no one wants to do that. No, no. But like, if you're if you need the stage time enough, you will do it. And also, like, I've been in a position where I've been booked to be on a show, a show that I like with producers that I respect, and the host dropped out. And it was like, who on the lineup can host? And then they looked to me. And it's like, am I going to say, like, fuck off? Like, no. I get that they're in a bad position and, like, they need somebody to host. And, like, they know that I can do it and then I probably will do it. And then it immediately puts me into a position at the bottom of the totem pole for all the other comedians. And I and I had this happen recently and I wanted to be like, you know, I was one of you once. I was part of the show, and now you just think I'm the host. Right. Well, that that's part of the issue, too, is that I'm not like one of those guys who treats a host like that. But there are people who are like, oh, the fucking host is here. Yeah. Like, like, and even if they're not saying it, you just like kind of sense a vibe of like – because you, you have to – if you're a good host, you have to go up to them and be so like, like – what's your name? What's your credit? So, yeah, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, you know, when they're getting the light, you just – you become like – the help you yeah, know you, I mean? yeah it becomes like you're now like you have to go like tell oh and is it it's quackzala right exactly <laughs> yeah your status like plummets immediately <laughs> and it's just and fucking hosting is hard and it should be paid at least as much as like the feature if not more because i think it's less time overall that mm -hmm. you're on stage but it's more time overall that you're at the venue yeah oh, yeah that, that should be the that should be the victory because one of the best things about doing stand up and not fucking being doing a 30 minute Harold or whatever is that if you do 12 minutes at one show, you might be able to do two shows in one night, but maybe you have to bounce early or come a little late. Exactly. And that's kind of understood in, in our industry. Right. So it's yeah. Like, I mean, one of the things a good host should ask is does anyone need to leave early? Yeah. Uh, like, do, do, does anyone care where they go in the lineup? Yeah. It's like a common courtesy. And, uh, the host does not get that luxury. No, they do not, dude. And I'm I'm pretty new to stand up. I've been in comedy clubs and doing comedy forever, but I'm pretty new to stand up. So I'm like feeling out all these vibes, and I still haven't done like real club stand up yeah. too frequently. But learning all this shit is like, I'm like, oh, I think I'd be really good at hosting. And then you find out that it's not what you think. It's not as cool no. as you think it is. Like, no. yeah, you're like, no, oh, other people frown upon that. Oh, okay, and it is it is such a skill. It is yeah. uh, uh, like every live show should have some element of hosting in it coming from some from some angle. Even like I was at a Q&A for a after a movie um, with like the director and the person doing the Q&A needed like a little bit of that hosting juice up top because they didn't even say hello to the crowd Here's who I am. Here's, Here's what we're who about to do. To. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just kind of started, which is like, okay, if you're like a cool actor who's doing it or like a friend of the director or some notable person, because they try to do that with, with Q&As uh, right. sometimes, uh, get like a name to do it, they might feel like they're above or it's just I mean, not even that. Like they just, that's they not, not how they ever operate. It, right, because they, they never, never have to operate do it. They've been like that. Uh, and they they have an air of of coolness around them. Being a host is not cool. You have to you have to swallow that. You just have to be like I have to be a little bit dorky because I need to focus the crowd, tell them what is about to happen, so that the thing that happens next can happen effectively. You have to get a little bit teachery, mm -hmm. which is like maybe 
uh, causes a little revulsion deep inside of you. Where you're For like, oh, I yeah. do not want to act like a teacher. But if everyone could settle down, we're about to start the project or whatever. Right. You know, yes, you feel like yes. such a fucking dork. But like we, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, we just don't value that on a, on a bunch of different levels. But like we really need it in everything. Like even like a a good improv show someone comes out and at the very least like gets a suggestion from the audience yeah. right and says hello here's who we are yeah. here's our stupid name <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and what's up we are uh scotchatory tape <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a real team name from back in the day i remember i was gonna say York. that's that's way too good of an off the dome yeah like, there was a period where there was two team names that i really liked and i can't and they were indie teams even but they were scotchatory tape and tuna fey <laughs> okay. Sure. I, I don't know why I like both of those so much. Yeah. But they stuck with they burned in my head like 25 years later, 20 years later. They work. Yeah. But yeah, you you need some of that That's energy. my favorite part of doing the improv shows. I'm embarrassed because I'll be like I'll have a good host. Like, you know, I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. who's done who's seen improv before?" Okay. Who had a bad day? You know, you want to like loosen them up a little bit and talk mm-hmm. to them a little bit and then remind them at the end. Okay, that's all the talking you guys get to do today. Like, all right, you're done talking. We engage with you. Now <laughs> yeah. you stop engaging with us once we start doing the theater part. Right. Uh, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I love talking to a crowd. I like walking out to a cold crowd and just seeing if I could crack them open. Yeah, that, it's, it's tough and it can it can be scary. Yeah. And that's why as a stand-up, you don't want to do it because you basically have to do your set but get fewer laughs. Right. You know you because they're cold. Whereas like if you go fourth or third, it's like they're so warmed up. You can come out and get a hit immediately and you feel like you're on top of the world. Immediately into material and going off. Yeah. That I as a matter of fact, what's up shitheads, how I start my podcast started from back when I was started doing stand-up. I was like, I need something that like off puts the audience in a way that for me would be fun to try to come back from. Mm-hmm. So I started coming out and just going, what's up, shitheads? How are you fucking doing today? And being like angry with the crowd and watching them take back. And I'd be like, and then just like get into it from there. It was just something that I enjoyed doing so much. And now I've been doing it for 400 episodes or whatever. I fucking hate myself. I can't believe I've been doing it this long. Yeah, it's your prison. You <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trapped. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the only, the only, and I could, could be wrong here, but I think one of the few things where the host is king is late night shows. Yes. A dying art. Mm-hmm. And I used to do a live late night talk show in Chicago. That's how I know the aforementioned Colin Crawford. He was a part of the, the group that did that. And I hosted it. And you feel like you are floating. Oh, like Because it, awesome. it, it's it's all host centric. And you get to do so many different things. You get to and we, stand up, do interviews, yes. do a sketch, yes. do a bit, do a mm-hmm. desk bit. Like, yeah, that was always the dream. That was like my dream job was like mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien's job. Yeah. And then I was like, I cosplayed as it for years in Chicago, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's the fucking dream. And I was like, oh, yeah, eventually I'll have that job. Wait, no way. They can't hire a, a fifth white uh, straight guy. Oh, wait, they can oh, they hire did. 12 more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they keep doing it. Hmm, interesting. Well, when it's my time, certainly. Oh, what? It's all nothing exists anymore. Oh, nothing exists anymore. <laughs> the uh, late night shows are on strike and uh, audiences aren't aware. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this doesn't. Ooh. This is changing things. Wait, they have 14 writers making guild paychecks every week? Uh, sorry, don't mean to <laughs> sell out everyone that's working. Good God. Dear God, I want one so bad. I just want health insurance. But yeah, the, <laughs> the the late night shows, that's like, yeah, because it's not almost- it's, it's like a dead medium, even. Yeah. it's the, Things move so fast that like having a commentary at night on things that happen during the day is not fast enough. 
And as I'm thinking about it, the it's funny, a late night show has uh, a host, but it also, behind the scenes, has a second host who is doing the job of what we were talking about, which is you have the warm-up come, come out. Right. He's the one really taking the brunt uh, and and they are the one who has to do the host work Get and hot and yeah. sound like a teacher and like maybe f- fucking throw candy. t-shirts yeah. and candy Tootsie rolls to, to the, the crowd, crowd <laughs> and take people from zero to one hundred and then when the host comes out they all the, all the hosting work has already really been done yeah. as we traditionally think of it and they get to be on fire and they have a first ad or a producer who's like or oh, and up. Uh, up next is, you know, uh, Chloe uh, Savigny. <laughs> like, they'll tell you, like, you know, you get the prep where all the stuff you have to do on your own as a host. This is making me want to uh, host more. <laughs> I'm going to throw a party slash late night talk show at my house and, and really just ruin everyone's time, including Why my is, own. Why is Gabriel at a desk? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him in a suit, even at his own wedding. <laughs> he he does not look comfortable. He keeps throwing to commercial, and I'm worried about his mental health. <laughs> Gabris in a suit. He looks like an offensive lineman got a DUI. I had something. <laughs> I had something to say to Gabris, and he threw it a commercial. Yeah. And I, uh, we'll we'll be back with more Joe yeah. after this. And then I froze for forty five seconds in in the living room. <laughs> just it was strange. I'm I'm worried, but I think I'm just gonna leave. He knows his kitchen's not big enough to have the desk in there, right? <laughs> People are gonna want to come in and get drinks at some point. <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I hosted a late night talk show in Chicago for a long Locked time, in. and then I we did a, a kind of when we came to LA, I came with like a bunch of a bunch of writers and, and comedians who had been working on this thing, and we modified it to make it like a uh, a variety show, and it was like, well, I'm gonna host that uh, again because like one on some level I do love doing it, but also it's like no one else wants to, right? And so it was always just d- my default uh, in the group. With the late night show was great. It was like, yeah, yeah I'm you're like, oh, my default is the star. And <laughs> yeah. then when it becomes a variety show, oh, my default is the um, facilitator. Right. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's I, cool. <laughs> I started to I started to struggle with that because when it was the late night show, one of the things that was kind of unsaid, like we had people like Colin and very, very funny writers and performers who would do the sketches or like we would have a character come out at the top, blah, blah, blah. But I would do all the work for the show. I would put all the tech together. I would book the guests. I would book the band. I would run the meetings. I would every, – every bad, like, uh, producer thing you have to do, I would do. Because in my head, I was like, I'm not going to make anybody do the work. But then in return, I get to host. Right. Is the only way I could really justify, like, the, getting – Having the g- cush gig is to have – to do some of the fucking sweep bitch work. Up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so uh, I felt good about that. And I think everybody else kind of understood it, even though it was just never really spoken. It was just like, oh, yeah, we don't we don't have to do any of this boring shit. Uh, Joe does, but he will also get to <laughs> accept the, pra- the praise and the love from the audience – the most. Right, right. But then when we went to a variety show, I was still doing all the work, but then it was like, oh, I'm not, I'm like sometimes not in the show. Like I come out and I host and like the premise of the show was we had the running order on a big carnival wheel and the audience would spin it and it would determine the running order, right? And so I would have like fun moments with them coming up, but then it would like land on a sketch and then I would go away. 
Yeah, and then two of your friends would do a fun a sketch. Fun and sketch. Everyone would be like, they'd kill. And yeah, like, come out and be like, weren't they great? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> weren't my peers really right? good? Huh? I'm sorry, How about I'm, them? sorry, I'm out yeah, here. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> you grew to love them, and now it's me again. And now we spin the wheel. Oh, it's a stand-up. Well, that's stand-up is why you came here. You enjoy Nick Kroll for ten minutes as I go away, and you will dread my return. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, that's enough, Nick Kroll. I'm the guy with no jokes really set up, and I'm afraid to accidentally tag anything he said, so let's just keep it moving. Let us let me pull a name out of this hat, the one thing I do on this show, as you come up and spin the wheel. <laughs> huh? The 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 hosting stand-up for me went early on. A few times I did it, I, like, forgot to, like, you know, people's material is precious, and I feel like, dude, I one time went to a basement, you know, like, and you accidentally, like, and then you, like, maybe make a tag on their joke, which yeah. is, like, unheard. Like, you're not I mean, to... I, w- I would argue that it's, like, depending on the sensitivity of the comic, right. which a lot of comics, for as, uh, like, fucking, like, I'm a tough guy, a lot of them are sensitive babies. Uh, but I, but I think a cool comic would understand. But yeah. I, I know 100 percent what you mean. Like, you I can't take my fucking joke, dude. Yeah, I feel like if I'm if I'm gonna host a show, I'm gonna I'd be like, and part of the understanding is I'm gonna like rip let me it. do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, funny the just the misunderstanding what comedians are like just made me think of the when I got first put on a Harold team at UCB. I was 22, mm-hmm. and I was the funniest guy. At my college, the funniest guy at my job as a lifeguard, the funniest guy in my family. And in the obnoxious way where I'm like, eh, big gregarious. And I'm thinking like I'm about to walk backstage to like 20 guys, like 20 people. Party animals. Just like a bunch of like, hey, here we are. And I'm like, all right. They're doing the limbo backstage for some reason. (laughs) And I walk back and it's zero Chris Farley's, all David Spades. And I was like, (laughs) oh. Hmm. And I'm like backstage. I'm like, and people are like nervous because it's a show and like. Some of them are like the cerebral improvisers that I didn't even uh, put, put together that existed. Or You're whatever. trying to like push the keg that you brought behind <laughs> yeah, your leg so yeah. no one sees that you I'm brought like, it. I read the um, room wrong. Anyway, <laughs> oh, you guys have one beer after? Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I found this. That was. Uh, should we throw it away? <laughs> this is a fake tattoo of a keg. Uh, this I thought is, you guys uh, would find it funny. <laughs> That's truly how I felt. I went backstage. I was like, yeah, not that kind of vibe back here. Huh. Yes. I, well, where, where did I put my book uh, that I brought? <laughs> I was going through catch up as well before. <laughs> I'm reading The Goldfinch as well. Uh, um, Joe, thanks for allowing me to host in the presence of a legendary host himself. <laughs> and by coming on the pod, this was a real uh, a real treat. You do, you do a good job of it. I mean, like, it can be, that's the other thing, like, hosting podcasts, it's like, you have to, on some level, keep the train moving, but you want your mind to be in riff mode, and they're not the same track. No, they're not. And I have learned, the only way I can really host a podcast, and uh, when Amir fucking however many years ago asked me, do you want to host a podcast? I'd be like, here's the thing. It's got to be like nothing to it or else Loose. I will. En- yeah. I will not enjoy. <laughs> like if I had to be like, Oh, do you have any news stories that I can cut? You know, like if I had like some refillable bucket I had yeah. to do, I would blow my, so if in this instance, it's like we, a friend who I think is funny comes on, we decide what we're going to talk about ahead of time. Yeah. It's like, this is as much effort as I can put into podcast. That's how you get to episode 430, by the way, is yeah. just by. And like the, for the listeners, for the, the, the shows you hear where the hosts have to do host stuff and keep you on track and get to the next segment and get to like 
whatever the the point of the podcast is at each yeah. thing and they manage to be funny while doing it as well it needs to be like underlined how yeah. fucking hard that is like and right now we're at the burberry coat of the week brought to you by burberry <laughs> we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite coat from this week and you're like have to riff and then get wedge in the thing that gets you paid or gets the show right picked up. yeah it's like impossible people manage to do it and it's it's very impressive <laughs> yeah uh People should give Nick Weiger, fellow headgum head. Uh, I was thinking Weiger specifically. Weiger, yeah. Because he he does he keeps the show on track and there's so many different segments and like you have to get to your fucking fork score. And there's like and, like, and there's props and like consumption that's involved. Like you have oh mm-hmm. man, well, it's everyone pass out the funfetti cookies. We gotta eat them right. and talk about yeah. them. And manages to be so funny. And he, yeah, and he's he gets the robot uh spectrum jokes all the time, but he is also very funny. Right. And Mitch does everything he can to destroy <laughs> the perfect dynamic. It's <laughs> a great thing. But you you do a good job as well. Even though you you are a, you try to keep it as loose as possible, you still are an effective host and very funny while doing it. Oh, thanks. I I joke that I am I fall directly in between Mitch and Nick. Sure. Because yeah. the joke some is, experiment gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch and Nick are the like two archetypes of podcasters. Like, yeah. Big gregarious funny guy, and then like spectrumy get the work done intelligent mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, both men, of course. Both white men, of course. Yes. We're talking podcasts. When we talk about the spectrum of podcast hosts, it goes from one type of white guy to another type of white guy. It's so diverse. <laughs> <laughs> Two different straight white guys. Uh, well, Joe, tell the fucking shitheads where they can see your new comedy special. Yes. So I have a new special. It's called Ooh La La. It's on, yeah. you, you can find it on YouTube on Helium Comedy Studios. If you if you type, well, here's the thing. This episode will have the the special will be out by the time this episode comes out. It's in the show notes right now. Perfect. I'm gonna put it in the show notes. So just Thank whatever you, you're listening to this on, take your phone out and click on Joe's special and give it a a, a like, a comment. God forbid, a, a watch. <laughs> yeah, you could also. What really matters is the numbers. Give it like refresh it a few times to get some watches. Give it a like. Give some comment that's really nice. Just put it in a. A blind forward email. Just forward it to every one of your contacts. Yes, for the love of God. Um, and then if you if you care to watch stand-up comedy, uh, you can watch that as yeah. well. But again, we have to reiterate, that's after you do all the metrics. Yeah, if you're an important. Apple Store employee, if you can get them on all the iPads and phones playing at once today. Put it, on, put it on a loop. I don't know how to do that on YouTube, but put it on a loop. You figure that out. And then <laughs> just last week, my wife, uh, we were at the Grove. I was super high. We were both were super high. She had to go return something. I'm like, I'm going to go in the Apple store and just like look at new computers. And instead, I subscribed to High and Mighty on every single phone in the room. Yes. And I was like, I'm a grown man with sunglasses on just walking around touching every phone in this room. <laughs> so the idea has been in my head of like, I should just, this yeah, is the most I mean, grassroots listen, marketing. It's shit. not a bad idea. Um, but I, another way, I guess, to find the special is I will be... Uh, promoting it on my own socials so you can find me at Joe Qua, J-O-E-K-W-A on Instagram and TikTok, Joe K, Joe K on Twitter. Uh, and you can find out what I'm doing. I have a sketch album coming out soon. So keep your eyes peeled for oh, that. Oh, that's rad. Thank you. Audio or visual? Audio. Oh, that's really fucking yeah, it's, cool. It's called uh, Funny Songs and Sketches. I didn't feel like I had any room to fuck around with like a clever artistic title. It's just like this is what it is, and I I, I think that should be out in August. So oh, you know. keep an eye out for that. Yeah. That's rad. Uh, yeah, I 
before I knew Joe did stand up, I was a fan of your sketch videos. You did those birthday videos that made me laugh so fucking yeah, much. Thank yeah, thank you so much. And this is a version of releasing a bunch of sketches at once is release it as an album. Yeah, one that might be slightly more lucrative or... or, or Potentially has yeah. some, some degree of monetization Can't involved. be less lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> Losing a lot of money on making 31 sketches you release in one day? Okay, interesting. <laughs> That's not You're a... saying I could have lost more money. <laughs> so this is a, a, actually a win? Okay. All right. <laughs> we, we will see. Time shall so. Find Joe's socials. Uh, uh, watch Ooh La La and listen to funny sketches and so- funny songs and sketches um, or wherever the fuck. It's August, so it, it might not be out yet, but get pumped. Save yourself. As for me, spill my drink right at the end. Uh, check out my other podcast, Action Boys, at actionboys.biz. It is a paid podcast, but we have some free episodes. You can find those wherever. And also, check out 101 Places to Party Before You Die, now on Max. Actually, should still be on Max, I should say. I don't know when this episode comes out. I can't promise the the market works the way you want it to. But nothing is, nothing is certain. Nothing is certain anymore. That was the thing about streamers. It's like, at least I'll always be able to watch The Office. And then it's like, everyone's like, we're taking shit off, though. No, no. <laughs> Bye, shitheads. That was a headgum podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. It's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> now... Somewhere, somehow, body blow, body blow, body someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. <laughs> it's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Oh, there's a fantasy component. Yeah. There's some yeah. sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. bam, bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room here. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.